How much credit does Taylor Heineke deserve for the Falcons' offensive success against the Colts? And is Ryan Nielsen head coaching material? It's a Merry Christmas mailbag. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And guys, if you don't know me, I'm your very humble host of this illustrious podcast, Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for far too long at falcfans.com RIP, uh, and still going strong on this illustrious podcast. You may also know me as Serious Black, as Mister Drew. You know, my friends call me Negative Nancy. You can call me Mr. Drew, though. But you can become one of my friends by becoming an everydayer of this podcast. And especially for those of you that have decided that you've had enough of your family uh, on Christmas or, you know, the day after Christmas and you want to get away whenever you're checking out this episode and checking us out as an everydayer. And all you got to do to become an everydayer, subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So. Today's episode is a Q&A. We love to do these on the holiday episodes like we did on Black Friday, uh, you know, recording it on recorded that on Thanksgiving, recording this one on Christmas morning. Um, and so we'll get to some questions about like Ryan Nielsen's readiness to be a head coach. You know, will I get reinvested in the Falcons if they make an improbable playoff run? You know, why has D. Alford disappeared from the defense? What are some of the things that Zach Harrison has done to improve? But uh, as I was sort of scouring through the comments yesterday to get so many cues for the A's on today's episode, you know, I saw a lot of people upset that, you know, I had the audacity to not give Taylor Heineke more credit uh, from this Colts game uh, than I did. And I rewatched the game this morning, right? As you guys were, you know, cleaning up gift wrap, you know, I'm, I'm watching the Falcons Colts game. And like, I'll sit here and say, like, I think Heineke made like three throws in this game. We'll see if you know that number goes up or down once I rewatch the all twenty-two. But like I don't, I don't see Heineke as a major catalyst for the Falcons' success, right? I, I look at their successful running game, right? They had a fifty-seven percent success rate on running back runs in this game, uh, and seventy-three percent success rate on first downs. And those of you that aren't familiar with success rate, you know how dare you? You're not an everyday of this podcast because we've been talking about it on this podcast for like five years, but. You know, success rate, that's basically like 73% is basically as good as it's going to ever get in the NFL, right? That's, that's darn near perfect. It's not perfect because it's not 100%, but it's darn near perfect from by NFL standards. So that allowed the Falcons to stay ahead of the chain, stay on schedule, got them into a lot of third and manageables, a lot of third and threes, a lot of third and fours. We've talked in the past this year about games where the Falcons gotten a lot of third and longs, and that's not really the way that they want to play. And even when the Falcons converted like the third and longs in this game against the Colts, like on the third and 14, the Janu Smith on the screen pass, like a lot of that was just Janu making guys miss after the catch, right? That was like 18 yards of yak on that particular play, right? You had an, a similar play for Bijan on a swing pass early in the third quarter. It was like a 14 yard swing pass. And it was like Bijan getting like 20 
plus yards of yak, right? And so a lot of the Falcons' success in this game, to me, was guys being dudes, uh, to borrow a phrase from uh, Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs, right? The, the thing that we talked about, like our dudes, our guys that can win after the catch, our guys that can win in traffic, doing exactly that, right? Now, you can maybe make the argument, good luck, uh, you know, that there was some sort of intangible quality that Taylor Heineke brought to the table this past week that Desmond Ritter just wouldn't bring. I think that's pretty silly again, but part of that is just because a big part of what we do here on Locked on Falcons is we talk about the tangible things, not necessarily the intangible things, right? We want to shine a light on the tangible things rather than these sort of nebulous like, oh, it's just, you know, he's a better influence on the locker room. It's like, okay, like based off of what? Because the Falcons won one game? Okay, sure. But you know, we'll see what the film says. Um, you know, I, I don't think the offense, based off of this one performance, you know, is, is better hands with Taylor Heineke. But I, I, so I, I think a lot of it is like box score scouting, where people just kind of look at, hey, well, we scored 28 points against the Vikings and 29 points against uh, the Colts. And those are the two highest outputs, offensive outputs of the season for the Falcons. And Taylor Heineke was the starter in both of those games. So that clearly has to do with Taylor Heineke. And I, you know, I don't really agree with that. But, you know, to me, the thing that stands out about this season that doesn't get enough attention, because, again, most of it is about the quarterback. Either the people want to give quarterback too much credit or too much blame. Um, and again, I understand it. But like the thing that's interesting to me is like you look at the Falcons record this year. They are six and four in football games where you look at the combined success rate of their running backs is over 40 percent. Right. So, you know, that's to me a testament that when this team can run the ball effectively, like they tend to do well. Right. And like three out of those four losses were games where the Falcons did hit 40 percent or higher, but, uh, you know, failed to get past like 25 carries in the game. So they weren't really as committed to the running as they would like to be in, you know, three out of those four losses where they were able to hit that 40 percent success rate. So. I, as I said, I, I get why the quarterback gets all the attention. The quarterback, you know, deserves the majority of the attention because of the quarterback, right? But to me, a big factor in why the Falcons have fallen short of their expectations is because they've taken a big step back in terms of their ground game. And that's going to be something else that they're going to have to figure out this offseason, uh, regardless of who the quarterback is, especially if they don't get the quote-unquote savior that I think so many of you guys or, you know, hoping is going to come walking through that door. And yeah, you know, sue me if 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 I don't think Taylor Heineke is that guy. So uh, we'll continue today's episode getting into some more of your questions, um, starting with, you know, whether or not Ryan Nielsen's ready to take over as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons uh, over Arthur Smith after the season. And so we'll break that hypothetical down on today's episode. Now, guys, the weather is getting colder, but the NFL offers at FanDuel stay hot. FanDuel, of course, is America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with a winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There are a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more if you want to bet this upcoming spread between the Falcons and Bears, the Bears are three-point favorites as of today. So if you want to take up that action, head over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and you can stay warm and cozy with all of their offers this winter. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. 
So continuing today's episode, I do want to plug the Locked on Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel, the first of its kind offered by the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, the innovators and icons covering, you know, Locked on Sports Today is covering all the sports stories across the league, across the nation, across the world. So check out Locked on Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel. And if you want, you know, more of a local fare, then Locked on Sports Atlanta has you covered with their 24-7 streaming channel as well. So our next question or first question uh, comes from ATL Jet Jones 11. He asks, if Arthur Smith gets fired, do you believe Ryan Nielsen is ready to be a head coach? So uh, let me reiterate the point I said on yesterday's episode. If you guys missed it, I don't think Arthur Smith is going to get fired. I was skeptical of that going into the game. I'm even more skeptical of that coming out of the game to the point that I'm willing to go on the record and say there's a night over a 90% chance that Arthur Smith keeps his job. But now I sit here and I say that. And anytime I said stuff like that, I've you know, the Falcons zigged when I thought they were going to zag. So, you know, maybe Arthur Blank is looking at that crowd, uh, the relatively small crowd and being like, oh, this is this is a problem. We'll see again. It's it's all is ultimately it's at the at the end of the day, it's Arthur Blank's decision. And we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to that. But uh, to answer your question, uh, there's nothing about Ryan Nielsen that comp- particularly jumps out to me that makes him a compelling head coaching candidate. Now, I'm going to explain in a second why you should take that opinion with a grain of salt. But basically, my main issue with Ryan Nielsen is I'm not a huge fan of the coaches that are like, you know, it's about what we do and not what about the other team does. I'm like, it's a little bit about what that other team does. And, you know, Ryan Nielsen does make adjustments, you know, in terms of his play calling, depending on the opponent. But, you know, that sort of mentality is so, to me, reminiscent of sort of the classic defensive-minded head coaches, you know, sort of like it's all about us, not about them. And it's no different than Mike Smith or Dan Quinn in, in a lot of ways. And both of those guys won more games in the NFL. So it's not to sit here and say, like, Ryan Nielsen isn't, you know, couldn't be a good coach in the NFL, a good head coach in the NFL. But it doesn't, you know doesn't really move the needle for me. And I, I think a lot of it is just people saying, like, hey, the defense is playing better, so clearly that guy's – the more qualified person to be the head coach than the the guy who's running the offense, which, you know, again, that's an overly simplified way of looking at things and is not a, a worldview that I, I typically adhere to. But I'm going to reiterate the reason why you should take all of what I just said with a great assault is reiterating the point I made, I think, on the Black Friday Q&A uh, about we know next to nothing about who's going to be a good head coach, right? It's the notion of people think they're making educated guesses on who's going to be the next great head coach, you know, looking at all these coordinators and whatnot. But to me, it's it's not an educated guess. It's just a guess, right? And I compared it to drafting players and projecting players from, you know, college game to the NFL. Like you can look at a wide receiver and say, okay, can you beat press coverage? Can you separate? Can you run routes? Can you win contested catches? Those are all the skill sets you need as a wide receiver at college. Those are all the skill sets you need as a wide receiver at the NFL. So you can make an, an educated guess. It's still a guess because you never know, but you can make an educated guess projecting a college receiver to the NFL receiver. You do that all the time with, with a draft. You can't really do that with coordinators and head coaches because the purview of a coordinator or the purview of any assistant coach is very different from the purview of a head coach, right? You know, you have to deal with all 53 players. You got to manage the roster. You got to manage the salary cap. You got to manage the media. You got to manage the owner. Like those are not things that you have to do as a coordinator or assistant coach. You just have to sort of manage like five players uh, a lot of times, really. Um, And so like you're, you're, there's not really. And then when you ask like, okay, what does it take to be a successful head coach in the NFL? It's like, I don't know. Like, it's sort of, again, those sort of nebulous sort of intangible things of like organization and leadership and motivation. It's like, you know, 
what exactly did this person do as a coordinator that allows you to say, oh, he can definitely do this as a head coach? You, nothing, really. Um, and so, like, that was kind of the point I was making. And, like, I'll use another example. Like, you look at, like, Kevin O'Connell, right? Kevin O'Connell was a play caller for one season as the interim play caller for the Washington team in 2019 after Jay Gruden got fired, right? And he became the, the play caller and worked with Dwayne Haskins during that time. Then uh, after that, he went to the Rams and was the OC there, but Sean McVay was calling the play. So he wasn't really calling the plays. And so when he got the job in Minnesota, he's like, I'm going to call the plays. And it's like, okay, well, we don't really know what Kevin O'Connell's offense looks like because what it looks like with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota with Justin Jefferson and all those guys is very different from probably what that offense looked like in 2019 with Dwayne Haskins and whoever was there, you know, was Terry McLaurin there. That might've been his rookie year or something like that. So like, you know, like it's very different. And then you couple that with like all the issues that Kevin O'Connor's had to deal with as an NFL head coach this year, Kirk Cousins getting hurt, Jeff, Justin Jefferson getting hurt, you know, all these various things, the whole Josh Dobbs situation, like nothing he did as a coordinator prepared him for that. Nothing he did as a coordinator made you feel like, Oh, when this coach inevitably has to deal with this sort of weird wonky adversity that, you know, we've seen a lot of across the league, you know, this year, last year, all the time, you know, we know he's going to be able to handle that because he did X, Y, and Z as a court. Like, you don't know those things. That's what I mean, where I just like, I think people spend a lot of time talking about things that they don't really know what they're talking about, especially in, I think, coaches and sort of being like, who's a good coach? And so, you know, that's going to, that's going to inform to me somewhat, you know, when we get to the end of this year and if Arthur Smith does keep his job, as I'm thinking he will, like, it's going to cause me to be less harsh on the on that decision than probably other people because I think other people are utterly convinced that some candidate that's available this offseason is a upgrade over Arthur Smith. And me, I'm just like, we don't really know that. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. Who knows at this point in time? And that's going to lead to, I think, a lot more people being upset that the Falcons are keeping Arthur Smith. And like, while I'll probably be critical of that decision and will outline the reasons it's not going to be a decision that I'm going to be sitting here lingered and still butthurt about, you know, three months from now, six months from now, like other people are going to be. And it's just going to be like, okay, it is what it is. We'll see if it works out for the Falcons, but you know, we're just going to keep moving on and, and, and surging ahead and living in the present and, and for the future here on locked on Falcons, as opposed to everybody else. But that, that will be a conversation in January potentially. So we'll see what comes with that. Um, and of course, if they do decide to move on from, uh, Arthur Smith, then, you know, when we get to the, the inevitable questions of, hey, Aaron, who do you think they should hire as, a, as the new head coach? I'm just going to like, I don't, I don't really care. Right? I don't really have a horse in the race because I don't, unlike a lot of people, I don't pretend to think that any sort of inkling I have, whether it's about Ryan Nielsen or Ben Johnson or, you know, Raheem Morris or whatever. Is a particular like the only person I like I said Raheem Morris. Now I'm, I'm rambling for a second but like he's the only person i'm like i've seen him be a head coach multiple times and so like like i know like you know he's much more of an educated guest than anybody else would be than ben johnson would be you know and for that reason like when people ask me like who do you think will be a good head coach i'll be like i think raheem morris would be a good head coach is that me saying that the falcons should hire raheem morris if they move on from arthur smith no but i'm sitting here going like basically the only person that i have a quasi-informed opinion about as a head coach is Raheem Morris. And so for that reason, I'm like, I think he'll be a good head coach, whether that's here in Atlanta or elsewhere is inconsequential to me. 
But like other than that, I don't I don't have a strong take. So again, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We still have more to talk about on today's episode on whether or not you know it's possible to get reinvested in this Falcon season if they somehow manage to make the playoffs, as well as you know, where has D. Alfred gone and some of the things that Zach Harrison has done in recent weeks to improve his play. And we'll break that down to wrap up today's locked on Falcons. But first, I want to tell you guys about Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy all the tickets to the comedy, music, sports, and theater near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guaranteed. It's taking the guesswork out of buying tickets. Their last-minute deals mean you can buy tickets in seconds right up to the start of your event. The all-in prices means you're not going to get hit with hidden fees. Their views from the seat mean, you know, you can see this the view before you buy from your seat, so you know exactly what to expect. When you arrive and their game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, they'll credit you 110% the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time by downloading the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase terms apply. But again, create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So tomorrow's episode, of course, will be an all 22 review. We'll get back to it uh, on that front. And, you know, I'll give you the lowdown on Taylor Heineke. I'll probably talk about the offensive line. We'll talk about the diva. We'll figure it out. Right. But, you know, there'll be another opportunity. Those Q&As, those those all 22 views are also our normal sort of Q&A day. So if you guys have uh, additional questions that you want to ask, of course, you can um, respond in the comments below. You can hit me up on via email at lockdownfalcons at mail.com. Hit me up on Lockdown Falcons on Twitter, uh, Falc fans on threads, uh, or, or in the Lockdown Falcons Discord, the link in the description below. And if, um, you know, if you're a Lockdown Falcons insider and you not only want to get priority for some future Q&As, that's what you, that's one of the perks. You get that one-on-one access with me. It's basically like, you know, texting me whenever you want getting updates on the team you often get those updates hours before episodes drop so you get my thoughts on things immediately after they happen as opposed to waiting six hours before a full podcast and you also get the extended all 22 review where in high definition crisp hd you get my video analysis uh on some of the plays and more of the plays that we don't talk about on the regular version of the all 22 review um and so you can Get access to that by becoming a Locked on Falcons insider by joining uh, the link in the description below. That's at joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Falcons. You get a 14-day free trial, so you can get the final extended all 22 reviews for free, um, these next two. Um, and then if you continue to like it, you know, we'll see what the off-season content is going to be. Uh, but then it's going to be $4.99 a month after that. It's a great value if you ask me. So uh, check that out if you're into it. But that being said, let's answer Jamal Martin 169's question uh, from a comment. He says, hey, Aaron, what's up? I'm happy the Falcons finally got a win as a lifetime fan, LOL. But if the Falcons somehow magically make it made it back to the playoffs in a two-part question here, how one, how would it affect our draft position, hypothetically speaking? And two, for that playoff game, would you be invested again, LOL? So, uh, you know, I love it when people just treat me like Falcons Google. Uh, I don't mind uh, where you know, it's like I, I could I could ask Aaron this question and wait three days for him to answer it on a future Q&A or I could just Google this and get my answer in three minutes. I'm going to ask Aaron and wait three days. No, but, um, you know, you don't have to wait that long, Jamal, because you asked this yesterday. But uh, if the Falcons somehow make the playoffs, they'd be picking somewhere after pick 19 or later. Right. That's how the draft order works. Like the playoff teams pick 1932. And depending on when you get exited from the playoffs, will determine 
you know, where you pick in that range. So 19 through 24, the six teams that lose in the opening round, 25 through 28, the four teams after that, then the championship game, then the Super Bowl, obviously, right? And then your record does determine within that. So if a nine win team and an 11 win team both lose in the first round of the playoffs, the nine win team will be picking ahead of the 11 win team. And then strength of schedule also is a factor that breaks ties between that and all that stuff. So, so it, the draft order makes roughly the same. Now, in a world where the Falcons, Pulled off, I, I believe I saw the 12% chance that they make the playoffs at this point in time. Sure, I would be reinvested at that point in time. But since, you know, I'm not counting on that 12% chance happening, it's not worth my time. Uh, we'll, we'll see in, in the meantime, right? And so, you know, if the Falcons beat the Bears and the Bucks lose this weekend and whatever, then, you know, there's a real possibility that they could, you know, win and get in in the Saints game. And if that were to happen, Probably next week, we'll actually start talking about the playoff possibilities. But until that happens, like, we're not going to get there. Like, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Right? I've been I've been hurt too far, too much uh, by this Falcon team. But our next question comes from Linux McAfee 7569. He asks, hey, Aaron, question for the Q&A. A couple things. What happened to D. Alford? I thought he had been playing well this year, but he hasn't. He doesn't play at all on defense anymore. Also, do you think center should be a priority this offseason? I feel like. Guys like Vita Vea and Derek Brown in our division, we need bigger guy to anchor the offensive line. So, um, yeah, Alfred hasn't gotten any snaps as far as I'm aware of on defense the last two weeks, working solely on special teams. Um, and it's been Mike Hughes that's been working exclusively or primarily as the Falcons nickel and slot corner. And my best guess is it's kind of a switch. Like, I, I don't think the Falcons are punishing uh, Alfred for getting beat by Chris Godwin at the end of that Bucks game uh, that set up the 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 eventual game winning touchdown. Um, I'm just assuming that this is kind of why Mike Hughes was the primary punt returner for most of the season, because the Falcons don't want their punt return guy and their nickel cornerback to be the same guy. And I think it's due to like fatigue issues, right? There have been various points in the season where like when they were rotating their nickels, like the series where Alford was the nickel. He also wasn't the punt returner. If the Falcons had forced a punt on that, on that series so you know and so i think that's really the issue um so i, I think the the falcons made the decision that the way that d offered especially given how well he played as a punt returner in that bucks game the way that he can help the team the most moving forward is as the punt returner and they perceived very little drop off from d offer the mike hughes as a nickel spot and to mike hughes's credit he's been okay the last two games compared to previous weeks um you know, but I don't necessarily agree with that. So we'll see. But that to me is my best guess for why D. Alfred has kind of disappeared the last couple of weeks. And our final question. Oh, no. Let me answer your other question. I'm sorry. Uh, should we upgrade at center? Um, I don't. Ex again, we'll we'll see if Arthur Smith is back. But if Arthur Smith is back, I don't expect the Falcons to prioritize upgrading center. I think they'll run it back with D Drew Dahlman for another year. Um you know, I think adding a bulkier center as a backup, as a sort of insurance policy, because, again, while I think Ryan Newsle has done a solid job, relatively speaking, compared to the other backups that have played this year, you know, I don't love Ryan Newsle because, to me, he, he's basically like a poor man's Drew Dahlman to me in a lot of ways. And, you know, there are benefits to that when we can run our outside zone scheme, but not consistently. So... I don't see that being a priority for the Falcons. I think in a world where they get a new coach, there's a good prob possibility that the Falcons completely scrap the outside zone running scheme. And so therefore they would have to change 
their offensive line and and rehaul overhaul that unit in there and then that would be the scenario where drew dalman is pushed out the door but i agree with you right when i evaluate centers now i evaluate guys that i think i'm looking for guys that are not only good outside zone blockers right that have that ability to sort of be that heat seeking missile on the second level um you know that can spring you know running backs for big gains um there's been far and few between this year but also you know are they going to be able to hold up better against these big powerful nose tackles you know like Vita Vea like Derek Brown you know Grover Stewart got the better of, of Drew Dalman a, a couple of times in, in this game and figured that was going to be a challenge those types of players give Drew Dalman problems and so finding a center that not only is athletic enough to do the second level stuff and the reach blocks and all that stuff and also can hold up against that sort of power on an island is is relatively rare. That's you know, you know, usually those guys play guard if you can hold up in that regard. But um, you know, that was one of the reasons why last year I was like, you know, Chris Lindstrom was probably your best candidate because he he's probably the 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 one guy that could check that box. But I know that was a very unpopular opinion because people were like, you know, why why ruin, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it even though you know the offensive line is kind of broke this year based off of how they performed uh for most of the season and so you know it is what it is but um i hope that answers your question so i don't think it's going to be a priority but it's certainly something that you know i keep an eye on you know in the, in in the draft process and and that may be something that we we are exploring a year from now if and when certain people are no longer you know running things here in atlanta uh, in terms of the style of office they want to play. So our last question comes from AJE. He emailed this one. He says, Merry Christmas, Aaron. Thank you, AJ. It's nice to see Zach Harrison making an impact against the Colts as he made strides in certain areas. Now, we've talked about Zach Harrison a couple of times in recent weeks of his play has kind of picked up since, I can't remember if it was the Vikings game or the Cardinals game. That sort of first stood out to me uh, where I was like, hey, Zach Harrison is doing things and, and not just a guy out there on the field. Um, and we talked about that specifically at the end of Friday's episode with Jarvis Davis. And then, of course, Zach Harrison had two sacks on Sunday against the Colts. So I haven't watched the film, but rewatching the game, you know, and going back and looking at some of the other, you know, hurries and pressures that Zach Harrison has gotten in recent weeks. Like, it, it seems like he's coming into his own as a pass rusher because, you know, he's won a couple of times with his swipe move. That was kind of his favorite move at Ohio State. And the knock on I had on Zach Harrison is like, you're so big, long, and strong that you can just bull rush everybody, and that should be your go-to move. And he, that's kind of what he's been doing, especially against the Colts. Um, it, it seemed like he was just kind of bullying Blake Freeland in a lot of ways and using his length uh, to win that sort of matchup. And so I think that's been a big part of why he's improved as a pass rusher. I think the run stuff, he's also made more impactful plays against the run, especially last week against Carolina. Um, I think a lot of that is owed to improved snap timing. Like, <coughs> sorry, Zach Harrison really struggled coming off the ball early in the season because he was just like, you know, he was, you know, I, I don't know, he was daydreaming or whatever. Uh, when I was a kid, when I used to play soccer, we uh, we used to, you know, when the ball was on the different side of the field than where we were, we would just like sit in the grass and pick flowers. This was like five or six. And so I always think in my brain, my parents used to always make fun of me. Like, why are you guys always picking flowers? And it's like, what, what else are we going to do? We're, we're kids, right? On, on a grass field, uh, not playing soccer. Um, but uh, like, I bring that up just because like, 
it felt like some there were times where Zach Harrison, because he was not locked in on the snap and getting off the ball as quickly as he could, he was just out there kind of picking flowers. That's 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 the analogy I, I use in my head. I, it doesn't make any sense to anybody but me. But um, you know, I think he's done a better job getting leverage at the point of attack, and he's also been able to shed those blocks to allow him to make plays uh, against the run. And so that's a big reason. So you're starting to see Zach Harrison kind of come into it, doing the things that we thought he was capable of doing. That's basically what has happened, I think, in, in recent weeks, which is like he he's finally kind of mentally figured it out, right, with the, you know, coming off the ball when the ball is being snapped, which, you know, shouldn't be that hard of a thing to do, but, like, he was not doing it for, like, the first month of the season. Um, and so, like, once you're locked in and you, you kind of you're, – you're playing with confidence and awareness and all that stuff. So I think that's really what Zach Harrison has done in recent weeks that has led to him making strides and, and you're seeing more flashes of him getting pressure, making plays against the run, all that stuff and more. So we'll, we'll see that continue into next season um, with Zach Harrison, hopefully as a, as a bigger part of the rotation and a reliable sort of guy that you can trust to go out there and the plays that he's been making, you know, one or two a game basically is, is where we're at. Like early in the first, like, seven, eight weeks of the season was like zero a game, uh, you know, 0.2 per game or whatever the math works out to be. And then now it's like, okay, one or two a game. And then occasionally you had some games like last week, where it's like three or four times where he makes a play. And he also, again, he's gotten pretty close to blocking a punt each of the last two weeks. So I feel like it's like we might get one before the end of the season. So that's, that's the hope we can get from Zach Harrison. Um, but we'll, We'll see. So that's it, guys, on our Q&A. Appreciate all the people that uh, submitted questions. We'll have other opportunities to answer those on tomorrow's All-22 review. Make sure you check out the extended All-22 review by joining the Locked on Falcons insiders at joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Falcons, the link in the description below. If you want to find other ways to submit questions, hit the link in the description of the Discord. Hit me up on email at LockedOnFalcons at mail.com, or you can leave a comment here on the Locked on Falcons YouTube channel. It's all part of Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Merry Christmas.